Like if you get paid to do a job and you do it shittily, uh, you should get fired or you should get Is shittily a word. Shittily. Yes. Shittily. <laughs> shittily. Shittily. <laughs> if you do a job and you get paid and you do it shittily. This is like the bad parts of Italy. Shut up and sit down. Have you been storing that? Just ready to do yeah, it. Yeah. I, uh, I had a, you know, all my jokes in the last one just bombed <laughs> terribly. So I had that one thing. So at least if I share this with friends, I had one joke that worked. But in baseball, if you hit it one out of three times, you're a Hall of Famer. I'm just going by that. Don't do know. jokes. Sorry, sorry. Don't, we don't, don't do those here. All right, all right. We got to reintroduce our guests again. The Justin real- Lopez, not a comedian. You can find me on thevidiot.co. <laughs> who else Who else is here? <laughs> yes, Matthew Robinson, uh, stand-up comedian, and I work in business and legal affairs. That's my nine-to-five. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that. And I, we're also here with Isaac Simpson. Yeah, former attorney. So I know former that business attorney. legal affairs. Well, who, do you work in business affairs for somebody? Uh, I work for a studio. Oh, in business and legal affairs. Yeah, yeah. I oh, work nice. in a contract syndication. Ah, so. I used to do that. I used to do that oh, for really? an ad ad agency. Okay. Yeah. One of the things we're here to talk about is uh, people like the job episodes. People like hearing about <laughs> yeah. job stuff. Well, because uh, yeah, my suspension episode is one of the most downloaded of the three past three months. Wow, right. quite a few from my previous employer. I might add. Uh, so who knows what's going on there? Uh, but what we wanted to talk about a little bit today was uh, how do people manage their, uh, how do people strategize at work when they're creative? Uh, you know, because all of us work in non creative, more or less, jobs, and we're all creative people. Justin edits. Matt's a comedian. I'm a comedian. Isaac is a journalist and author and hmm. provocateur. Provocateur. <laughs> who, who, oh, wow. who causes lots of trouble on Facebook. Not anymore, really. I think it, that was a while You gave up ago. on that? I, I, don't, I don't really do the long back and forth. You don't do the all anymore. caps arguing until someone tires out and leaves? Yeah. You never did that one. It was always, you know, just like hundreds of comments on yeah. something people getting just getting shit on all the time <laughs> after after trump got elected my favorite was there was like another thread of people i went to law school with mm-hmm. and somebody just said fuck you isaac simpson and it was like they tagged me <laughs> and then people just kept liking it and like saying second agreed 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 <laughs> wow. so i would just like keep seeing this notification being like fuck you isaac simpson <laughs> fuck you isaac simpson it's like damn hilarious that hurts so we all have various. Uh, the, one of the reasons we're talking about this is because Matt contacted me and was actually giving me shit about my suspension. Oh, okay. Uh, and he's. I had him listen to the episode, and he's a little more sympathetic towards me. But he handles his workplace bullshit 
in a very kind of bitchy way that uh, <laughs> I wanted to get into. Would you say I'm a cuck? Uh, no, <laughs> You're a work Maybe. Cuck. <laughs> cuck at work. I wanted you to explain what you were talking about because, uh, you know, one of the problems that all of us have when mm-hmm. we're creative people that work in work environments that are corporate is that there's a certain amount of pride that you're kind of forced to lose mm-hmm. um, because the way that corporate America treats its employees is not only do you have to listen to dummies tell you what to do, direct your work, which is fine. I understand chain of command, but you're also supposed to be like subservient to these people mm-hmm. that uh, are only better than you for, you know, who knows what reason. Uh, so Matt, let's hear your, what's your thesis here? Yeah. Well, basically for me, it's, it's a means to an end. And I know I have to be there because I have to pay bills and I want to make it as enjoyable and easy as possible. And I subscribe to the viewpoint that it's better to be liked and be competent at what you do to a certain degree. So I know that if I am liked and genial and respectful to people within the audience, I mean, and within the uh, office, it's just going to make my life easier because I'm going to have less drama. I'm going to have less conflicts at work and I can get in there and get out and just basically punch my clock and then go home. Now, one of the things that is helpful for me is my office is very much a nine to five kind of office. So it's not one of those places where there's a culture they're trying to force upon you. Like you said at your past job, they wanted you to buy in. I've never had someone come up to me and say, Matt, why don't you buy in more? They kind of let me do what I'm going to do and Accept me, you know, for what I'm doing there or whatever. So I just think it's, it's, it's a cost benefit analysis. And my critique on, uh, Charles's post was for me, it was a funny joke, but it was an unnecessary risk because why stick your head out of the foxhole when you might get shot? So it just seemed you have to work the job. It sucks. It it tears away at your pride, but you have no choice. So you might as well make it as easy as possible and why make things more difficult for yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah. This kind of goes back into the discussion we were just having, which is, uh, you know, your personhood now is, as an artist and as an employee, is like a liability at this point. You know, because we have these social media profiles and now that becomes so much of a part of who you are. And... uh it can hurt you and I guess it can help you in, in various ways. And Charles, you, uh, you know, were reprimanded for something you did right in your personal, you know, your personhood. Correct. Uh, that leaked into your work and it really has nothing to do with your work at all. It has zero to do with, with your abilities yet that is now a part of your, well, I mean, in the, in the interest of self-preservation, one of the things I do respect about Charles and other people's Twitter feeds who are more, for lack of a better word, out there with their opinions and their, their jokes, I do censor what I write on Facebook because for me, I don't know, it's, it's not, I'm not going to hang myself on a Facebook joke. You know, I, I have my act. I, I can be as outrageous or whatever and offensive as I want to on stage. But it just seems like it's it's kind of a pointless protest in some ways. Why why put yourself in danger for a Facebook post? And I know I know there's different issues about is it corporate overreach, private, public kind of personas, and I get that, and I agree with you, both of you, I think, on a theoretical standpoint. But looking at things practically, yes, I need the job, I can't lose it. I have certain obligations I have to meet. For example, I once had a tweet uh, it was a stupid hashtag game like make a movie scary and I was like let's be cops in Ferguson 
It was a dumb Twitter joke, as I can tell by the response. <laughs> <laughs> like literally no one laughed. Yeah, no, 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 but, but to my point, I deleted it because I thought, well, someone might see that and get the wrong idea. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But you didn't even, nobody even said anything, right? So you self-censored that. You're st- a little bit, but here's the thing where, I, in my view, it's, it's still acceptable because, yeah, it's a Twitter joke, but I could always make that terrible joke on stage. So I'm not really being censored because, you know... I'm not going to censor myself when I'm on stage with someone from work comes, you know, they kind of know what they're getting themselves into. And I've actually talked to someone who works in legal that I am covered there because they accepted the invitation to come there. So they can't really go after me for anything I say. And I'm not like an Andrew Dice Clay like type person, (laughs) you know? So it, I think it's just like, sometimes when we feel like our pride has been wounded, it gives us license to act back. And it, for me, it's like, yes, it's, you know, it's soul crushing, whatever, but it seems like a, like almost an error. You know, it's like it's like a Gerard uh, Butler at the end of Three Hundred throwing the spear at Xerxes. It's like a pointless kind of thing. Yeah, maybe you get a, <laughs> that's maybe, the analogy. Maybe you get a that, protest you out of it, but you're still gonna get slaughtered. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm I'm gonna plug that documentary again. Can we take a joke? But in there, I, I can't remember the woman's name, but she she wrote a tweet. She was going to Africa and she made yeah. this Justin tweet. Seiko. Sacco. Yeah. yeah. What about getting AIDS? And yeah. then, you know, she's in the air, her phone's off, and like everyone's coming unglued about it. And then when she, I mean, she got fired in the sky. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's a joke. What's it? Um, John Ronson, is that his name? He has a whole book about that. It's called yeah. So You've Been Publicly Shamed. And he talks about her ex- ex- extensively because she was making a joke. Uh, what was, I'm trying to remember the wording of the joke. It was like, um, I'm on my on a flight to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding. I'm, I'm white. white. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it's a joke about uh, how white privilege. It's a white yeah, privilege joke. Exactly. But it, it got taken as this racist thing, and her career was destroyed. Yep. Uh, because of it. Uh, and th- this is a thing that I ask you, Matt. Like, mm-hmm. don't you? Do you want to live like that? Like, are you? Doesn't it bother you that you have to go to work and conform, not only at work? Because I'm not talking. Okay. I'm not talking about work stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you have to go to work. They have a dress code. Mm-hmm. They have certain protocols for how you're supposed to behave. I get it. They're paying you. That's that's what it is. But doesn't it bother you that your stuff outside of work that's not related to work could potentially be policed? by these corporate people. Yeah, it, it does bother me. And that's why I said, I think from a theoretical standpoint, I agree with both of you and everybody in this room. It's, I mean, the classic adage, you just have to pick your battles. And I think you have to realize that Facebook is in many ways a corporate entity in itself. It's something that everybody can go on and see. Sure. So it's, again, you know, back to, uh, back to you know, the, the, the sketch about the guy with principles, you know, the guy, Million Dollar Extreme, you know, who stuck to his principles and then goes back and see his house is torn up. Well, there's a time to stick by your principles, but if you're going to get your metaphorically get your head chopped off for it or your hand cut off, sometimes it's in your best interest to self-censor. So you can, you can still kind of maintain, you can maintain your individuality in other ways. Now, if they can't, I mean, this sounds stupid, but they can't take away my thoughts. They can't take away my mind. And it just seems like to me for a Facebook post, it's, it's, it's like the most pointless kind of almost narcissistic kind of expression of the self. So you put your Facebook joke up fine, but you know, you can still maintain your creativity and your individuality in other ways. You can write a blog 
you can do why why, why should why could i write a blog because my employer could just as easily go on my blog and say oh i don't like this I, I, okay and, and to your point and to your point yes that could theoretically happen but if you rank it in the likelihood of when things could possibly happen facebook is near the top because so many people exist within that space you know twitter less people are more like more people are you know less people are likely to see it. if you have a blog people might be less likely to see if you're snapping something offensive they're less likely to see it. it's just you have, in my view, you just have, I'm a big cost benefit guy and you yeah. have to be strategic about it. Maybe I'm cost, you know, I'm that way to a fault, but. But what's the cost to your soul where you, uh, take on that, mm -hmm. that constant thing hanging over your so, expression? So if you can't make a joke about, sh you know, an office shooting and you can't, you feel you're censored from saying that on Facebook, that's such a deep blow to your soul that you're never going to. It's a, it's a blow that I have to bow to mm -hmm. the uh the whims of people that have nothing to do with what I'm posting like I'm paid to, in any structure you're paid to mm -hmm. go you're paid to go do work there okay. and I think that employers have agency over what you do at work like if you get paid to do a job and you do it shittily uh you should get fired or you should get Is shittily a word shittily yes. shittily. 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 shittily if you do a job and you get paid and you do it Italy. This is like the bad parts of Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac made a Italy. Isaac made a Yeah, oh. yeah that worked. Oh, wow. Better than the Nietzsche one. Let's, yeah. let's, uh, <laughs> let's, all, uh, let's all... Yeah, Isaac defending the Nietzsche joke <laughs> by telling me all these people that liked it. He's like, oh, people really like that. Good. <laughs> I can't throw stones on that, so I don't care. It really is amazing the difference between certain audiences, you know? Yeah. Anyway, it, uh, if, you get, if you get paid to do a job and you mm -hmm. do it badly, um, you should get fired. You should get reprimanded. If you go to work and you behave at work in a way that's detrimental to the productivity of the office, if you're naked or you're taking a shit on a desk... <laughs> Or you're harassing your coworkers. Saying you're a rapist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I understand that. That's reprimandable. But, you know, when you are engaging in behaviors not necessarily at work, mm -hmm. when you're doing your own creativity, doesn't it hurt you to, to constantly have to be like, okay, what would the people at work think about me doing this? You could argue it makes you more creative. Have you ever watched like a 1950s kind of comedy and there's such coded language that they have to talk around fucking that in a way it's more creative. So censorship can actually bring out creativity. And to your point about censoring yourself outside of work, I would argue that the moment you took a picture of the break room from an HR perspective, you could see how you made it about work. And again, that's fair. Fair enough. I, 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 and I thought the joke was great, but I wanted to like it, but I was afraid to like it because of what people might have seen. And I understand and maybe you and I just have a different approach to things. You seem, from what I'm gathering from this, to be a very, uh, you have issues with authority and you want to kind of fight back and you want to kind of protest. And you don't want to submit to certain people. I'll submit to authority that's mm -hmm. justified. I won't submit to unjustified authority. That's that's how I look at it. Uh, my I, I know, like you said in the podcast, is, is it had been four years coming that there had been some cultural issues within sure, the office. Yeah. And but even separate from that, even yeah. if that wasn't a, if, even if that wasn't an issue, I just I don't want to ever have to have that feeling of. I'm going to this place and I have to subsume my identity outside of work mm. in order to make these people happy. I think that's what the issue is. Well, uh, he does have a point, though. I mean, is it really... What is to be gained by... Is it just for the sake of expression? Or what is to be gained by that? It's just to be... 
I don't know. I think internally, I would be unhappy with myself if I submitted. I think that's what it is. And I think ultimately happiness in life, there's no guarantee you or I will ever become comedians that get paid full time Mm -hmm. to do it. There's no guarantee that you're going to be able to live off of uh, publishing books or writing. There's no guarantee that you're going to be able to edit, uh, you know, weird videos and have that be your sole income. So if you're living day to day life, if you're going through your day to day life, which is the reality that you're in, how much are you willing to um, put forth towards just not making waves versus being able to express anything that you want to express in the given moment. You know, it's a question of the happiness of yourself versus the happiness of making sure that you have conforming to yes. Yeah. So you're sort of saying it's for the sake of it in a way. So what do you say to that, Matt? Just making the joke for the sake of it. And for well, your yeah, for your own, cause it's like your well being is engaged with this art that you like to practice. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of a way this, of doing like it. this to me. I say, uh, mean shitty things on Facebook. That's, that's one of the things that I like to do. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not a great pursuit. You know, I have other better ones and I have lesser ones, but this is, an, a, this is something that gives me pleasure. It gives me pleasure to throw something out there mm-hmm. and have people go, oh, that was funny or, or whatever, or not react to it, you know, whatever the reaction is. So if I have to not do those things... Uh, be- I, th- I think you're turning into a zero-sum game and an all-or-nothing. There's, there's, it's not a binary thing. There's, there's a continuum within, it can, within which it can exist. In an office shooting, that's maybe more extreme, but you can make some of your more snarky posts about people's teenage music list or some of the other stuff you you you, you like to comment about. I, I think I just it kind of seems like you're kind of almost this absolutist that if you don't do the office shooting joke, that completely I'm completely unprincipled. I can't do anything else. I'm just saying like can't you just lose one, let that one go. Because here's the thing: if you write a Facebook joke, I mean. It's pretty much, it's just the most transitory of all expressions. It's, it's a joke that goes up there, it's gone. I mean, to me, I've written jokes in my head and I haven't posted them on Facebook and I just find certain satisfaction in the fact that I thought it was amusing. And, you know, I don't necessarily have to post. I guess, look, I, I respect your point of view and honestly, to be perfectly honest, I wish I had more of your balls to be perfect. So I do admire you for that. It's just, again, I, I just go back to pick your battles and... It's just having the awareness that, oh, an office shooting joke, okay, that these things are going on. These are things that HR people are going to be hyper-triggered to look for. It almost seemed like you were kind of picking a fight and daring them. And I can understand because it sounded like on the podcast that there were some cultural issues asking you to buy in. It, it, it just seems like it was like almost a Dennis, Dennis the Menace thing, you know, breaking the window and just waiting for who was the guy to come out and yell, you know. Mr. Provoke, Wilson. Yeah, Mr. Wilson to provoke a reaction. <laughs> and also... I mean, you also said that you have experience in the field, so you're probably confident that you could find another means of employment, even if that fell through. What do you say to that? Do you think that you kind of brought it on yourself a little bit on Uh, purpose? uh, I don't think... um, No, because I'd make workplace shooting jokes about that place before. It was... You know, I I, but, I got one of but those. But someone made a mountain out of a molehill. I got I got the, on one of those on this day notifications about a joke that I'd made many years ago about committing a workplace shooting. There. So it's <laughs> it's an ongoing. Maybe you should just commit a workplace shooting. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, well, that's you know, I, you know, I understand from from a basic. I see the I see the point that you make mm-hmm. because from a basic HR perspective. 
uh, here's an here's employee X and employee X uh, has posted something about a workplace shooting on his Facebook. We probably need to investigate that. And that's true. But in the circumstance was also, we know who this person is. We've worked with this person for this many years. We're aware that he's a comedian. So there are other factors in there. And I would rather err on the side of um, feeling good about what it is that I'm doing uh-huh. versus worrying about what corporate fuck faces. Can, can I ask you a question? <laughs> when you posted that joke, did you have any inclination that you might be called in? Did you calculate that in or were you completely caught off guard when they, when I was caught it? off guard when I got pulled in. So uh, you didn't, you didn't think anything negative would happen because you had done it before. Correct. Would you do at your new place of employment or a place in the future? Are you more guarded now since you've been? Yeah, of course. I'm, yeah, so, you won't do that again. I so, am. I am nervous about that. But will I let it affect my expression? It depends. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of a. Are you going to go from workplace shootings to bombing offices? <laughs> Is that how you're going to change your humor? Yeah, that'll. I'll have to make. I'll have to make jokes about. I'll, about all those things. So where can you say where you're working now? You haven't. I work at another company that does basically what I what I. What's it called? Do. do we? Does it have a name? I'm not gonna, no, I'm not going to talk about it. Why? Huh? Why can't? Because I'm still in the probationary period, and I don't want. Right. I don't want any yeah, problems. It's a hell, you know. So Matt, my question yeah. for you then sure. is, as somebody who wants to be a successful comedian, mm-hmm. don't you eventually have to develop your Media presence, media presence in such a way that you can't be sense be that afraid to be well, censored. Well, I will say this. I mean, as you, if you go to my Twitter profile, I have 150 followers, so I'm killing Damn. it. I'm killing Huge. it. But, what's your What's your Twitter handle, Maybe uh, we'll... Mister M Robo Four. Mister M Robo. Nice. Just make a new one. Mister M Robo Four. This is the reason I want to come to the show. This is what I like about Charles. It's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. It's hilarious. But, but what's um, What's Isaac? What's your Instagram? Your Instagram is Simp just the Pimp. Yeah. Oh, zero. What? Yeah. What? Simp the Pimp. Oh yeah. four, right? That's no, like That's zero. like a terrible AIM messenger. Yeah. <laughs> I was like Skrillex. Yeah. It's like pimp player but to your one. Point, yes, I have to develop an online following, but um, I'm probably not going to do that on Facebook. So I am a little bit. So what about Twitter? Twitter I mean, it's the Twitter, same Twitter, risk, Twitter, right? I am less likely to censor myself. Oh, okay. And why don't you just uh, make an anonymous Twitter profile? Just don't have it connected to you at all. Just have an egg, and then just start trolling. People. You don't have to be an egg. Just, just you know, yeah. have have a name that doesn't relate to you at all. Well, this is a big problem. I, my, my my favorite writer is this blogger. My favorite current writer is this blogger named Delicious Tacos. Mm-hmm. You guys ever heard of Delicious Tacos? No, no. no. He's a fucking genius. I actually know him. I met him in person once, uh, and his writing is incredible. And it's so dark and like saying the most inappropriate shit all the time. Mm-hmm. And he is like 40 years old and he's never merged his anonymous blogger yeah. identity with his real identity. And I think that's hurt him so much because he's never really been able to get credit for the genius writing that he does. And that was something I faced in the early phases of my career. I mean, mm-hmm. the first two pieces I ever got published for Vice were about going to Cuba illegally and like doing mm-hmm. a bunch of illegal shit, and then a hooker in Amsterdam. Okay. So I wrote those under a pseudonym, 
And it wasn't until way later on that I started feeling confident in like making a career as a writer in different ways that I merged that into my early writing into myself. It was all anonymous. Well, so it does create this kind of fucked up situation, right? If people are so yeah. sensitive to this thing and then you're trying to practice this art in order for the art to be good, you have to say shit that's inappropriate. You know, how do you merge the well, things? I can only speak for myself. I'm a little bit newer to comedy than some other people. So I am in that discovery, uh, that period of discovery. So part of it is, is I haven't completely honed a voice yet. Yeah. Maybe in a couple of years when I have my persona or whatever, and I know what I want to talk about, maybe I'll be more daring. Again, it's, it's the, you know, the cost benefit kind of thing. You know, I don't know exactly what my point of view wants to, to be that, you know, is it going to be politics, you know, being married, being a fat guy, whatever, you know, I, I don't know what I want to talk about yet. So I guess to, to your point, yes, you have to build followers and you have to, I guess it's more, I don't know, sports analogies are my thing. You know, it's kind of like I'm in the minor leagues right now. I'm not going to ask to go against, you know, a major league pitcher right now. And in some ways I feel like putting my complete comedic voice out there would be like going out to the big league and trying to hit a curveball. So hmm. I'm still... I look at it like I'm in school, right? It's like, you know, you go to law school, what, two or three years. I'm in that, or I'm a junior in college right now. Okay. And I'm not ready to go into the comedy marketplace, whatever it may be. So I guess maybe that's also why I'm a little bit more reserved. I don't have the same kind of defined comedic persona that yeah. Charles has and some other people have. Or David Rosenberg, you know, he's has a very defined comedic persona on Facebook. So maybe that's part of it as Is well. Is that too. Rosie? Yeah. Oh. And also, I, I am somewhat... Being a nice guy or whatever, I am a little bit of a people pleaser and I don't like to rock the boat. So I do take into account where offense might be taken. Mm -hmm. I'm very, I don't want to say political in that regard, but I'm very, uh, very evasive. You know, if you look at like a fly, I'm like a fly running around that, you know, because when you, in my view, when you land, you can get swatted. And again, to go back to my analogy about Charles's joke, you know, it was kind of like landing somewhere where someone could swat you. Uh, I see. So, so this is how you get through the workplace. I have never been able to keep a corporate job. I just hmm. get fired. I get weeded out <laughs> <laughs> immediately. I don't know what it is. It's really kind of is sad it, and do pathetic. Do you take principle? Do you, do you look at it as uh, your principles are being challenged? No. And see, like here's, this is what everybody always says to me. Everybody's always like, oh, you're probably like you hate authority. Like you're too much of an asshole. But I go in there, since I'm so terrified of getting fired, I go in there and I'm so nice. Like I'm so over the top that I think I, I try too hard and then they know like, oh, this guy's full of shit and they can like just sense that I just don't so like belong like, there. You're like you're like, the, like that Black Hole Sun video. You're just too sunny. Like I go in there with a certain <laughs> yeah. detached kind of niceness. Like I'm nice to people. But I'm not like, hey guys, it's a you yeah. Know, how you you kind of have great. Just you, you to be stay alive. detached. Exactly. Well, yeah. I go in there and like try and be best okay. friends with everybody. I think that that, like that screws knows. it up. Yeah, exactly. You got a lot of analogies. I Black know. hole it's, sun it's, video. So well, it's the heart of comedy. You yeah, make an I, I, analogies. I, yeah, Storytelling yeah. in general. So and so is like so and so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's the that's the heart of comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. It's funny because I don't go in nice at all. I go in very standoffish. And I think that's why you hold on to it because it's like you you're you're personality is merged with your work personality so everybody gets it whereas you, I think I go in there and it's like they see my social shit and they're like this guy's a fucking lunatic be, and then I go in there and I'm like really maybe happy. it's a sincerity issue maybe yeah that's, I think it is maybe I think that's it is. the off-putting thing 
Well, it's because I'm also, it, if I was as critical as I truly am of things, I would just be shitting on things all the time. Like, especially in the creative fields, it's like, I would just be like, this sucks constantly. And I, <laughs> yeah. you can't do that. You know, you can't just like say that to your superiors but, all the time. But honestly, in, in my office, sometimes a, a well-crafted jab about the product sometimes. Is good. Yeah, points. yeah, yeah. That's you, true. It's a, it's, a, it's a line you have to tread. And it yeah. just, Here, I guess it comes go, in the go. reading the room. Yeah, get a little. There you oh, okay, sorry, you're slipping sorry. away there. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. No, you're right. Exactly. It's, I think having the courage to do that occasionally is is good. You know what's interesting is you know Justin is Justin. And I used to work together. We used to work at the same place. Yes, we did. And the funny thing about Justin was Justin. The mistake that he would make is he was too helpful without being boasty about it. Yeah. So mm. he would. Uh, not get credit for the, the the side projects and things that he would do to fix circumstances, and that ultimately fucked him. Oh, oh it did. Wait, so tell this story. What? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can, but I, I work somewhere else now, and I learned my lesson, and I just go in and get the hell out. Wait, so what? What happened? I mean, like, well, I got I got laid off. Just in a very basic general, I. You know, I'll, I'll keep it general. But Justin has a lot of knowledge about a lot of different video things, and we worked in a digital media capacity. So, and I'm since I'm saying that Justin won't get in trouble, <laughs> but Justin has a lot of knowledge about a, a variety of things that not everybody at our workplace would know about. So Justin would fix problems constantly, and he would not ever demand credit uh, or appreciation for it. I see. And that's the other mistake that nice guys can make yeah. at work is if people don't know your value, you can get undervalued and then get fucked yeah, at, at yeah, the wrong yeah. time. Yeah. And now they know, but mm -hmm. they didn't know uh, when they laid him off how necessary he was to the operation yeah. of that place. I see. And that's the other that's another danger of being a nice. Yeah. I've I've given up being nice at work. Yeah, I don't have any. Yeah, I stop that now. After that, yeah, fuck it. there's no man. purpose. Uh -huh. Being nice it may get you at best a consistent job, but it'll never get you rewards. It'll never allow you to boost your salary. It always yeah. ends up being, you know, oh, we, you know, we can count on so and so to do stuff. Yeah. So I'm just an asshole. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, being an ass and not being mean to people, asshole, but not tolerating any Bullshit. kind of problem. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think that's the best strategy, but that's, you know. Well, I think it depends on what your goal is. I mean, for me, it keeps me employed. I'm not necessarily interested in climbing up the corporate ladder. That's good. So as long as I just keep my nine to five job, keep my bills paid, that's my goal. And that's I guess it. that's how I'm able to compartmentalize my time at work and my time in my off hours, you know, pursuing my comedy. And I guess, you know, there is, but here's the thing. It's just the, the it's just the way the modern world is. There's, there's not these work you know, private lives, you know, there's not the, uh, the, the, uh, whatever they're more converged nowadays. You know, it's kind of with social media, it's hard, you know, it's not like in the fifties where you could work in, you know, the ad sales and then go home and just, that was your life. Yeah. You know, it, it's difficult, you know, and I think it's, it's a new challenge we're trying to face as a society is what does privacy mean? Yeah. Where, where, where does it extend to? Where does it end? And what, yeah. What, how does your identity uh, go in, go into all your that. personal brand. Your personal brand. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I, I don't, I don't look at my nine to five job as my identity. It's, yeah. it's a job I go to. Yeah. I, I have people I like there, and also for me. Well, but if your identity is not work, yeah. and you can't show your identity outside of work on the internet, 
where your real identity, okay. where does your identity happen? Where does it exist? I think it, it, it exists when I go on stage. I think it okay. exists. But here's the thing, you know, art always, we like to think of art as being this free thing that's free from the confines of society. But whenever you, you study a great book or a great work of art, it was influenced by the cultural totally. pressures of the yeah. time. Oh, definitely. So it, today is no different than, you know, in the 1900s or whatever. So I think that these are the times we live in and we all are victims of our circumstances when we, of the times we live. So it's just kind of a reality. And, you know, maybe I should be more bold in my online presence. Maybe, maybe not, you know, but for me, I, I just don't feel, maybe I'm just, the thought of it just is enough for me. And I don't necessarily always have to put it out there. I, I don't, I don't know. I just, it just doesn't, I mean, sometimes I do wish I could be more bold, to be perfectly honest. But then again, am I prepared to pay the cost? Because there's yeah. always a cost to certain behaviors. And I don't know. Like if, for example, if I knew that 30-minute Comedy Central special was, you know, six months away, maybe I would ratchet up what I was saying online. Mm -hmm. Because the cost of losing my job now would be outweighed by the benefit of getting that sure. special. Well, right now, I'm not really close. So I kind of need it. So it causes me to be more risk-averse. This is the... I mean, people can only live how they want to live yeah, yeah. individually. But this is how, this is the, I had a mindset change about this because mm. for a long time I just kind of plotted and just was going along to get along. But just look at an actuarial table mm -hmm. and, and see, this is the date I probably will die. Yeah. And just go, uh, how much time do I have to make what I want to happen in my life yeah. happen? And if you look at that, that's a real deadline because yeah, yeah. the 30 minute comedy central special, that might not happen, but you are going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's <laughs> like all of us in this room, we're going to die at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if, you know, based on family history or whatever it has happened. And that was a big, that happened when my dad died because I, I watched him die and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Yeah. And if I don't mm -hmm. get done what I want to get done, I'm going to look at my life and not be happy with it. So that's when I had a shift and I decided mm. I'm going to try to accomplish the things in my life that I want to. So I think if you look at that final deadline yeah. and say, okay, I'm this far along the path before mm -hmm. the end happens, what can I make happen in yeah. that amount of time? But, you know, when you're on your deathbed, would you have been like, oh, I should have made that workplace shooting <laughs> yeah. if, if I'm on my deathbed, I'm, I'm going to hope that I took opportunities risks. to be myself yeah. as much as possible yeah, okay. and I took some risks in order to do well, it. That, well, yeah. I think there was like the top five things people regret when they're dying and one of the things was like pleasing others and putting others before yourself. So. Yeah. <laughs> Doing that too much. <laughs> yeah. Caring about other people is a huge mistake. Yeah. No, but uh, uh, see, you're kind of saying two things though at one time and I sort of take issue with and I've never had a parent die so this is why I'm asking you. This motivation to like have achievements, you know, it's not about like, no, no. like, uh, no, that, no, I don't think it's about achievements. Is at that all. really like, oh, you said uh, get the things done, or you said like make the things happen I want to have happen, yeah. right? Like, do you really think it actually makes is that really the point of life to like, oh, I tried really hard and then I got my Comedy Central special and like that, is that really No, it's not about it? that, but it's about, you know, you have things in your life that you haven't done or that you haven't accomplished or you, that you've kind of been on the fence about doing. You have stuff that, hey, I'd like to be doing this and I'm not doing it. So I, I think it's about getting to the end point of your life, whether or not you actually make success happen is irrelevant because you're just going to end up rotting in the, everybody's going to end up rotting in, in the, the ground. ground anyway. That, well, that's what I'm saying. So I, I'm wondering why... 
that brush with death made you more focused on accomplishment. It would seem like it would make you less because you're like, hey, like it, it makes no fucking difference. Living his true I want managing his time to, to get to these points that you want to get to. Correct? It's more about living truthfully okay. and less about waiting for stuff to happen to you because the trap a lot of people get into is just waiting. I'm yeah. waiting for something to come from the sky and give me success. I'm waiting for this to happen. And I just don't want to get to the end and be like, I, w- I was waiting for this to happen. I was waiting for blah, blah, blah. I was waiting for a relationship. I was waiting, mm-hmm. you know, to to go live in a weird place. Well, yeah. I mean, my father passed away and I had a almost a, a different response to it. I was a little bit more bold, but there were some financial things that came from that that really threw a lot of chaos into my to my life. So maybe that's partially what made me more risk averse. Yeah. So, you know, basically, you know, I expected, you're also married, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm married. So there's also those responsibilities. You have a, you have a different, and again, that's why I said individually, it's different when you're tied to somebody else. What was the story? You you were about to tell it. Oh no, it's just basically, I was expecting to inherit a bunch of money. And then I found out he was millions of dollars in debt. Oof. So it went the from, debt goes away though, right? It goes away, but it, but basically I, there was this custodial fund that was in our names. And then basically I found out he took money from that to keep his family businesses afloat. Oh, so geez. I went from, you know, about to inherit a six figure income yeah. to nothing. Oh, geez. So you go from that expectation. Also, my dad died really quickly. So all that financial stability you thought you were going to have that allows you to be more bold. Yeah was just taken away. So now it makes me think because I don't want to be out in the wilderness like I was again, because I was able to be more free with employment because I knew I had money coming in. You know, I yeah. grew up wealthy. Yeah. So I was able to do the, you know, the artist kind of like odd jobs here and there. Cause I knew I had this, you know, this support. And then it got pulled out. From it was under pulled away. Yeah. yeah it's wow. like when you hear about people like who survived the great depression, not that it was that bad, but they never took a chance again. Yeah. That's why there were no presidents from, I think 1920, to 1930 who were born within that time frame, because to be president, you have to take risk and people there were just beaten down by the economy that they never took a risk. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You know, I, see, I see your point too. You know, it's, you know, I think we all react when the parent dies. It, it affects you in ways you can't even begin to imagine, you know, and it's going to happen to all of us. But it's just interesting that you kind of took a different approach. And also, you know, to be perfectly honest, when you're doing those odd jobs in your 20s, you don't have the most impressive resume. Yeah, so, <laughs> certainly. You know, it, it, yeah, did, I, it I, did affect what I could get, you know, later on. I'm not a, I'm not a you know, I, I do have a, a good steady job and I do have a career mm-hmm. resume that looks nice. I'm not 100% throwing caution to the wind. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, I, I am realistic and go, you know, I may end up being... No, you seem old. like a very actually non. I mean, you don't seem like you don't take risks, but you take very calculated. Yes, yeah. I feel but, like you know you seem like a very like calculating person. That's person. why they thought he was a you know workplace shooter. Yeah, yeah. calculated. <laughs> to, to your point about identifying what your voice is, you, you already know what your voice is, yeah. and it's just kind of being not worrying about what your voice is going to be, but just worrying about what it is in the moment. Yeah. And, 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 and just taking opportunities to kind yeah. of, do, and I, honestly, you don't have to yeah. be critical asshole that I am. No, that's, no, no. You know, you can be, you can be nice guy comedian who talks about being married. That's, there's, there's yeah, so no, many no. great comedians that do that. We yeah, don't, we I'm, don't need to yeah. be, I'm not, I'm not advocating being no, an asshole. I just want to yeah. also being you. I, I will say that as somebody who has ultimately combined the two, mm-hmm. right? Combine the real person with the working person. Mm-hmm. You know, I published a book 
that has a very, I'm struggling with this now, even still, that has the, you know, it's called philosophy and fucking in Vietnam, right? Mm -hmm. So it's so got... Like, is it like Hunter S. Thompson? Yeah, very. that's what it's trying to be. Okay, it okay. sucks, but, you know, it's it, it's <laughs> trying to be that. Isaac continues to undersell his book. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's quite a good read. Okay. And I'm, and I'm saying that as somebody that gets annoyed by Isaac a lot. All right, well, thanks. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, eventually, turning those things into one, yeah. it, it, converging the, the true person and the work person, that was a great thing to do. And it really, I like, I feel like... I have never been more miserable in my life when I, than when I was working in business affairs yeah. oh, <laughs> at an ad agency because yeah, yeah. all this creative shit was going on. Yeah. I was a you know paper pushing schmuck, yeah, yeah. and not that that's what you are, but I'm just saying like I that's how I felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I so wasn't. It was so painful to me to not be the person that I like wanted to be. You know what I'm saying? And ultimately, converging those two things and kind of throwing caution to the wind a little bit has been a good thing for me yeah. in general. Like I've been able to f make it work in, in such a way. You know what I mean? Well, there's, so. there's your artistic self and your true self. And some people just live who they are. And some people create personas that are completely, yeah. in some ways, alien to them. And some people, you know, pick and choose. I mean, it's, yeah, it's difficult. You know I mean? It, 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 it's a, definitely a challenge. And again, I guess, you know, I see your point about business and legal affairs, you know, working in a studio and basically what would be a non-studio job, it might as well be insurance. Yeah. It's yeah. tough, you know, and I mean, definitely when you sit there sometimes, you know, your heart aches and, you know, you feel your soul just eroding away. <laughs> but here's the thing, most people on that floor, whether they have creative aspirations or not, their soul's eroding a little bit too. Oh, totally. So part of the, the decision, you know, I decided at some point that everybody to a certain degree hates their job, hating being there. I might as well be nice, crack a couple of jokes here and there and try and make the day a little bit better for everybody else. I'm not going to contribute to the kind of negativity on yeah. the floor. And look, I mean, of course, you know, sometimes I go back to my cubicle and, you know, you do the Facebook scroll feed, see people booking shows and you're like, God damn it. You know, you get pissed off. Yeah. Well, you got to stop doing those, yeah. bring, those bringer shows. Man. <laughs> you got to do, you got to get out there and do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, off, get off the bringer circuit. Well, right. let me ask you this last question. Sure, sure. Are there people at work that are maybe more like Charles that you resent because they are sort of more fully. Uh, I don't say resent, but I, I will. I will say envious because I don't. I don't resent Charles. I'm. I'm jealous to be a certain, but to a certain degree. There's nothing to be jealous. Yeah, But I do admire how you put yourself out there. I mean, yeah. there's. There's other. F I have a couple of other friends who are a little bit less political than me. But I've also seen the effect of what can happen. So to me, it's, I don't know, I, uh, it comes back to compartmentalizing things. I, I can go there, put on the corporate mask, get through the day, and then go home and do what I need to do, you know? I, so I wouldn't say resent, but I sometimes look at myself and think, well, maybe you could take more of a stand. I'm very much the yeah, but guy when I'm taking opinions. It's like, yeah, I agree with you, but, you know, I'm not necessarily the guy who's going to take a hard line stance. Yeah. So I, I, I see your point to that. Cool. Yeah, it's working stinks. We need, to, <laughs> we need to just stop doing it. That would yeah. be... I mean, well, it's automation's mostly... going to get rid of us all, right? Yeah. Soon be lawyers too, man, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Everything's going to be automated. Yeah. And uh, we're oh, just yeah. going to be, you know, I don't know what we're going to be doing. We're going to all be competing for snaps. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be a bunch of I don't know we're gonna universal income right that's that's going to be the fix all we're going to be maintaining computer systems that do <laughs> our jobs 
That's good. We're going to be <laughs> what I was doing in my last job, automating uh, that company. Yeah. Yeah. It's the automation is the so, dangerous future that little by little is we're coming getting, for we're us all. There. <laughs> we're going to be working for Justin. <laughs> that's what, <laughs> that's what's <laughs> nice. Any other final thoughts on working? No, no. Working. I Yeah. No. Yeah, <laughs> we have a lot of work. Just get in and get out and do what yeah. you want to do. Yeah, there. there's there's no better advice. Go to work. You know, if you're a creative person, go to work. Try to survive without, you know, humiliating yourself in the way that you feel. Wow, then... the advertising industry is weird in this sense. I mean, I have never seen so much wasted talent mm-hmm. as I have in the ad and the ad world because you get a little bit of the creative fix because yeah, yeah. you're create you're not you're not making art yeah, but yeah. you are creating something so all this these really talented people go there and they get paid a ton of money and they never actually I mean they just make ads for their yeah. whole lives you know and occasionally they're good but uh, it's a little different in that world because you can just go and do your job but then you're sort of losing it's very i think the most noble artists Mm -hmm. the best way to be an artist is to go have some shitty menial day job and then on the side practice your art yeah whereas when you're in ads you're practicing art during the day and then it's kind of hard to come home and like continue to practice more art like it doesn't really work you're not being creative at that job like someone's telling you what to create Yeah. yeah exactly and so it's pretty uh it's kind of a, I think a lot of people, every copywriter I know is like not, the money's so good that it's like, they're happy, but they're all dissatisfied because yeah. they're all like, fuck, like they never get around to doing the project that they need to be do, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, it's, I think that's good advice. I mean, I it's know. squeezed out. Yeah. It's squeezed out because mm-hmm. you get the fix a little bit, you know? So and then basically all your energy is spent up creating for someone else. Yeah. 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 What was it? There was like a blog post, some guy in New Zealand who was an ad exec who was dying of cancer and was like, it's not worth it going to ads. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Because you never get around to doing the thing. But that said, doing the thing, you know, at a certain point, I don't know, you want to give, you want money, you know, money is important. But the costs become a lot less, they they become a lot more intrusive the older you get. It's a lot easier to be romantic in your 20s when you think you're going to be the one who makes it work. Exactly. And yeah. when you get into, you know, your 30s and whatever, that's when the you can see the discrepancy it costs for people who took the standard 9 to 5 corporate climber route and those who decide something else. You know, you can see the vacations they're going on. Exactly. You know, the oh, the needs. 30s yeah. is the big separator. Yeah. And this is the thing you <laughs> never me. get those stories. Like this is my father it would wanted to be an actor and it just mm-hmm. didn't work out, right? And that narrative, I mean, look at fucking La La Land. That narrative oh, of the failed of the failed oh. artist is almost oh, entirely right. absent from our from our media, and it's like that's what happens almost all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And those people, you never get that story. You know, it's always either like, "Oh, I sacrificed, and then I made it." And well, blah blah blah. But usually, you make all those risks, the risks fall through, and then you end up with no money as an old man, you know? And like, fuck that. Well, we're inherently narcissistic, so when we hear, you know, I don't know, George Clooney talking about his failed pilots, yeah. we identify we're with like, that. Oh, yeah, we're like, oh, yeah, that's going to be, be that me. biography. Yeah, You're not going to yeah. see a biography about some guy like the six-year-old extra who's still yeah, telling the script. who's still doing that. that. And me and my all my dad's friends are that. They're all these, like, kind of, like, sad former act. They're, like, still acting occasionally yeah. in, like, their local theater. And it's like, man, I'm glad I saw that side because it made me, you know, I think a lot of people end up there because they don't, 
know that that's what happens to most people. You know, that's what we need to do. Start writing. Let's start writing screenplays about like failed, failed actors. But even when they do that, there's still an element of noble romanticization that goes with it. Like there's a certain nobility to it. It's always glamorized in films because it's people from film making it who yeah. made it. Who made it? Yeah, yeah. It's never but, like as pathetic as it really well, is. It's. You know, I don't want to go on too long on this topic, although it's funny. But you know, I. Isaac, are you screening movies for dances? With yeah. Films now Isaac and I are both screening movies oh, for dances. So with films. bad. <laughs> and th- there's a bunch of indie movie tropes, just mm. like Hollywood. Yeah, They're yeah. different. But one of the big indie movie tropes is uh, the indie movies get made about an artist whose art is amazing that everyone wants access to, uh, and it's. You see it in movie after movie. The main character is like this painter, and the art dealer is like, "I have to get your new painting as soon as possible. We're having a big show." <laughs> and it's and it's it's so much, you know, such a subconscious externalization yeah, of the totally. way that indie filmmakers feel about themselves. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's very amazing. Yeah. Where you get or you get the strident artist who's so iconoclastic that he won't submit. Like he, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'm too genius. You know, I remember when I was playing music. I'm not gonna York. sell out. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember talking to this yeah. one guy. He's like, "Man, I just don't want to change my." music music you know to fit the corporate system and then he went up and every song sounded the same yeah yeah you know it's like no you're actually not that talented yeah, yeah, yeah. so in you're some not. we should all just give up so let's uh <laughs> That's true. Just i'm gonna make abandon money. comedy and yeah. this and uh just okay. dedicate myself towards uh sitting in an office yeah. Yeah. you just find joy in the moments of joy as they come and in the present you know not to be too i'm kidding <laughs> i know i, I make a jokey ah uh, <laughs> yes yes Sit down.